everyone. Welcome back to It's All Light. I'm your host, Natalie Baugh. I can't believe another week's already passed us by. And it's October. Happy October, everybody. I love September. I love October. I think fall is my favorite season. It's the best. But before I get carried away and all the things I love, we have a guest today. Hello, John. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Nat, it's good to hear from you. <laughs> John Reed is from Orem, Utah. And him and I met a few weeks ago. We went golfing, and golf is a big part of his life. He grew up with his dad on the PGA Tour as a pro golfer, and golf is a big part of his life. And he's an incredible golf coach. Definitely helped my swing out a ton. So, you know, if you need tips, you can you can reach out to John, and he'll be happy to share a few. Maybe, I'd John, be are you? I'd, I'd <laughs> there be you have it. I just offered that way. up. <laughs> But no, for real, my golf swing is so much better. And that just was like an hour with John at the range. So a little bit more about John is that he so lived in Utah most of his life. But when he was 14, lived in Maryland for a few years. And he also, like like I said, with his dad, he's traveled around the world watching his dad play golf. And he served a mission in San Jose, California. And he is studying to behavioral neuroscience and... um studying psychology at UVU. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into his passion behind psychology and also a few other passions in John's life. But John, I've been talking a lot, so let's hear a little bit more from you about you. The question of this episode is, what's your favorite fall activity? Hmm. Okay, that's a good question. Favorite fall activity. So I love when the trees turn colors. You know, that's probably my favorite best. part of fall. So um, I, was, I was born up in Sundance and I remember as a little kid that we would go up there and and the trees would always be so awesome. So my favorite fall activity would probably be going on the lift up at Sundance up to, uh, <gasps> that sounds amazing. Up to the top of the hill and just looking back and you get to see all the different colors and all of the different, you know, sights and views and it's it's pretty cool that's that's, that's my favorite so fall activity awesome. i think that's mine too as soon as the leaves start changing i try to go on a run every day where the leaves are either a trail run or today i like went up vivian park that road up to south fork park anyways it's literally the best thing to watch them change and i can't yeah. wait to go back and see how they change in a week or so so I yeah, love that. you've you've got a big uh you've got a big marathon coming up soon right Ooh, six days yeah, that's a topic for another time. Sure, we'll say I'm ready. If you want to come <laughs> to Escalante, Utah and watch me run, you're welcome to come. <laughs> Anyone's welcome. Anyways, but that's besides the point. That is something I'm passionate about. But today we're talking about John and his passions. So John lights up about golf and psychology. If you didn't guess that from his bio. <laughs> so, John, where... Where should we start? Yeah, so, I mean, ever since you were born... Golf has been a part of your life because your dad was a big golfer. Um, it was. What about yeah. golf did you love or do love? Well, growing up, I I was too rambunctious to be able to get into it. You know, I couldn't sit still. I, I really, I didn't really love the game. I was decent at it. But growing up, um, you know, it was my brother and my dad's thing. They, they would spend numerous hours at the golf course. I would come home and they would, 
you know, they would be at the golf course. And so how it kind of started with me is I wanted to spend more time with my dad and my brother. Mm. I'm like, well, they're, they're gone all day. <laughs> I need to, I, I, I guess if I want to spend time with them, I need to pick up golf. So mm. I played soccer up until I was about 11. And then, you know, 12 years old, I started getting into the game. So that's awesome. I got a little bit of a late start, but man, it has taught me so much. Um, it, it's, it's been one of the greatest blessings in my life and passions um, that people can be able, you know, it's a lifelong game. Not many people have that, you know, a lot of, a lot of careers in sports end after, after college. Tom Brady, Federer. If, Right. Well, Tom yeah. Brady might be an exception. He's like 45. That's now. true. That's like, true. He's playing way longer, but you know, most guys, <laughs> I don't know they, anything. <laughs> you know, most people can't play it at a, for a very long time of their life. And, yeah. and, and this is such a great game where you can pick it up at, at any point in your life and, and you'll be just as good as, as anybody else. That is you know? so true. I love that. Um, Oh, I had another thought. Oh, I remember. So I feel like when you're passionate about something, how do you feel like it's grown? Like you said, you started out to spend time with your dad and brother, but what made you fall in love with golf? I liked the peace and the satisfaction um, and the hard work that it takes. Mm. And, and, um, you know, it started out when I was a kid, I would, you know, whenever I would get mad, I would go and kick my soccer ball. And then whenever I would get mad, when I got a little bit older, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, you know, typical teenage disputes with parent, parental figures, <laughs> yeah, I, I would just get my golf clubs and I'd go to the range and I would find peace there. Mm. You know, it's just me and the ball and the dirt. And I would be able to tee it up and hit it as hard as I want if I was mad and, and, um, you know, and, and take, <laughs> take little time to, to work on the little touch and the finesse shots or putting and, and work through all these, you know, there were all, there was always something to do, something to keep me busy, something to get mm. better at. And I could never be, I could never be perfect at it. And, um, so it uh it just it just kind of hooked me i feel like everybody when they first start out they you know they suck mm -hmm. but when you when you really put in a good amount of work you know you can hit a whole bucket of balls when you first start, start out and you can't hit a single good shot but when you do hit one good shot there's a distinct feeling that you feel oh yeah i felt and it I, maybe five <laughs> times in my life <laughs> and i call i i call that the hook you know when you're fishing it's it's the hook it grabs you and and you're hooked after that it's like yeah. wow i want to feel that again one little, little success yeah you, you get a little rush of dopamine and you're like yeah. i know i did it once i know i can do it again uh, teach me how teach me how to do it and, um, yeah. and so it's so great. Um, so golf can teach a lot of, a lot of things, especially to little kids. Mm. Um, I was reading a study 
they did on a group of kids from Sweden. And they took a group of third graders, okay? They took a group of third graders and they, they kind of split the class half and half. And um, they had half of the kids practice soccer for, you know, three times a week. And then they had half the kids practice golf for mm. three times a week, about an hour a day. Interesting. Um, not an hour a day, but like an, an hour every three you know, three times throughout the week. And then they watch the kids' behaviors and they watch the kids', you know, grades uh, for the next three years. Whoa, three years. Wow. So it was, a, it was a longitudinal study. And these kids, the ones that ended up playing soccer, you know, they would get frustrated a little bit more easily. You know, when they were given a task that was particularly difficult, they would kind of, they were more prone to give up. Mm. Um, but the ones that, played golf um they had they found that it built resiliency so interesting because i feel like golf makes me pretty frustrated oh super <laughs> frustrated soccer definitely makes me frustrated too but yeah i mean all sports can make mm -hmm. you frustrated especially True. if you're starting out but if if you practice golf it showed that these kids were more able to ask for help and direction they were more willing to seek correction and they were mm. more willing to to do and try hard tasks hmm. do you think part of that relates to the fact that it's an individual sport versus a team sport because i know there's benefits in both like a few episodes back we talked about football and learning to do your part on a team but with golf or with like running for me it's focusing on me and my form and my time or golf, it's focusing on your swing and your body position and your hip movements and et cetera. So what do you think about I, that? I think it plays a little bit of a part. I mean, yeah, there's nobody else to, to blame in golf, just like there's nobody else to blame in running. Mm -hmm. You know, any, I think any individual sport, it might, it might build that resiliency. Ooh, and interesting. Focuses a, on you and what you can do. Yeah, there's no ref in golf you are your own ref there's no ref in running you know so it's, it's it, you are your own your own ref you got to call the shots and you got to be honest so mm. it uh, it it builds different values and characteristics in people than say football or basketball or you know soccer or anything like that so yeah just just one of the small reasons why i love it it builds different traits and you mentioned how, like, because your father grew up golfing too, he learned a lot of these lessons that golf can teach you. What are some stories about how your father has impacted your life through the game of golf? Oh, man. My dad has played a huge role, um, huge role in my life. I, um, he, he, he didn't have a, a perfect upbringing, you know, pretty, pretty tough circumstances. He had to dig it out of the ground. He moved around a lot, and um, he he played for BYU, and then made um, got it, made it on the PGA Tour, and and then one of the things that I remember most um, is when he caddied for me in one of my tournaments, and I was like I don't know, 15, 16 years old, 
and I, I was pretty nervous and I don't like keeping score. I just like playing. I just like getting on the course, doing my thing and hitting the shots and, mm. and doing my thing. And so I'm like, dad, will you keep score for me today? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll keep score. So we go, you know, I, I play fairly decent, you know, nothing, nothing great. And I didn't win, but it was nothing to be ashamed about. And uh, we're at the scoreboard, you know, scoring tent and uh, at the end of the round and I, and I say, all right, well, how did I end up? I think I shot, you know, around close to even par. And, and I look down at a scorecard and all he has on there is, you know, there's a bunch of blank spaces and then there's a smiley face. And then there's a bunch of blank spaces and then another smiley face. And I'm like, well, okay, yeah, whole seven smiley face. Well, what does that mean? Why did you put a smiley face there? He's like, oh, that's the hole where you had a great up and down on. I'm like, okay, what about hole 10? There's another smiley face there. Oh, well, that's the hole that you hit it way left. And then you had to hit that hard recovery shot. And then uh, you, you ended up making a really good bogey there. And mm. I'm like, okay, okay. Well, what about hole 14? He's like, oh, that was another smiley face. You made a, a solid birdie and uh, you hit three really good shots. You made a long putt. And I look at, okay, well, he, he knew my score. He had it written down, but underneath the score, he had a smiley face. And and that was how he kept track in his mind. And I asked him about mm. it later. I'm like, why do you keep those smiley faces on your card? Even when I caddied for him in his tournaments, you know, the big time PGA Tour, he would put down smiley faces on his card. And that's how he would remember them. And he says, I don't. When I, when I look back on, on my scorecards and my rounds, I only want to remember the smiley faces. I don't want to remember the shot that I hit way left or the shank or this, the hook or the slice. I just try to focus on the good and remember the smiley faces. Oh my gosh, I love throughout that. The day. I'm going to start to do that now. <laughs> Next time I go golf, I'm going to put some smiley faces there. Because I also hate keeping track. After five over bar, I'm like, all righty. <laughs> I've had I know enough. The <laughs> I doubt you do, but <laughs> I'm not great at golf. <laughs> but I love that story. I think that is so remarkable. And every time I hear the word caddy, I just think of the movie, The Greatest Game Ever Played with Shia oh. LaBeouf. Oh, such it's a good movie. I love golf favorite. movies. I'm trying to think of any other golf movie I've seen, and that's the only one I can think of. But oh, I love and, the I love the part in that movie where he's walking home with his mom, and she's like, "Oh, that was beautiful music, wasn't it?" And and he says, "Yeah." He says, "I I remember." Huh? He says, "I." It was almost as if the music was coming through her from somewhere else. And he says, that's the feeling. And then he kind of trails off. He says, that's the feeling I've always wanted. And then it trails off and, and then they keep on walking. And you know, he wanted to say, that's the feeling I've always wanted with golf, you know? And I it's, don't remember that part. We're, we're all going to have to go watch that movie now. I love it. Why do you love that part? One of my favorites. Because that's, that's the feeling when you find your passion, it is like that. It's like the, the, the music is flowing through you from somewhere else. Ooh, you know? that's going on the quote wall. <laughs> <laughs> when you find your passion, it just feels, it feels right. Right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I love it, just being passionate. It's so fun. 
<laughs> it is. I'm I... passionate about fun. <laughs> I love fun. I have too much fun. And golf people... can be fun. And golf can be so much fun. If you don't take it too seriously. If you take it too That's seriously, true. it's not Add not those fun. smiley faces to your scorecards. My goal That's is right. to golf once a week. I haven't fitted in my calendar yet, but I am going to, to this week. Right. I have to do it this week. So, you know, know. we'll schedule me, that let out. Let me know when you want to hit the range. But back to the passion of golf and life lessons and values and morals. I love l hearing about how this sport bonded you and your dad and that cool story teaching you and teaching him just how he lived his life and how you patterned your life after that. What are some other lessons you've learned from golf? Um, I've learned how to carry myself, I think, um, how to handle difficulty. Hmm. Um, I think how to control my temper. Ooh. Um, I remember one time I was playing with my dad uh, when I was like 12, 13 years old. And, you know, 12, 13 years old, you're, you're almost – you know, you're coming into your manhood, which means you have a lot of testosterone going through your body and that affects your brain. That makes you more prone to anger bursts and, you know, freak outs and, mm -hmm. you know, controlling your temper, very difficult for teenagers. Mm -hmm. So I was on the golf course and that was tough for me um, at that time. And I remember we were on the 14th hole at Riverside and I'm playing with my sister and my dad and he comes, you know, he's, he's walking down the middle of the fairway and I didn't hit a good shot and I was not playing good that day. And I was right on the verge of losing it. Mm. And, and I hit a shot and then it hits the tree and I just look down and I am, I've had it. And I take my club and I throw it at my bag mm. and my dad looks back, he looks over his shoulder <gasps> And he sees what I did. He sees that I threw my club and he was about to hit his shot and he leaves his ball where it's at. He picks up his clubs and he starts walking in towards the clubhouse. He just starts walking off the golf course. Totally. You know, you just don't, you don't do that. And I look at my sister and she looks at me and she's like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. I don't know. I hit a bad shot. I'm like, dad, <laughs> where are you going he just looks over his shoulder and he says i don't play with poor sports Ooh. and he Ooh. keeps on walking i don't play with poor sports and he keeps on walking and huh. uh he says you you guys can finish if you want but i do not play with poor sports interesting so how how has that impacted you i haven't thrown a club since <laughs> <laughs> It, mm, it, it, interesting. It, my dad, he, if, if you, if you hear anybody talk about him, they'll always say what a calm and mild mannered man he is. And, um, and that's so true. He, mm. and that's from the game of golf and it mm. teaches you no matter how high and mighty, no matter how far you hit the ball, no matter how big you are, um, at the end of the day, you can still hit a crappy shot and, you got to control your temper because if you mm. don't control your temper, then it will affect you throughout the round. A lot of people that think, Oh, if I get mad, mm -hmm. it'll make me play better. Mm. And in some sports, that's true. In, in basketball, if you, you know, if you get mad, but uh, you know, sometimes it, in running, 
Yeah, it can make that, you run faster. That oh, rage can, you got to yeah. compose yourself. Wow, interesting. So, I love that. So I don't play with, I don't play with poor sports. So finding the way to, to cope with mistakes in a sense and to deal with frustration and mistakes, right? Hitting a yeah. bad shot. It doesn't feel yeah. good. <laughs> but it doesn't but it happens it, that there's a good life metaphor right there like sometimes you can't help it it happens to everybody and it's not you know it's not many how many times you get knocked down by how many times you get back up i mean whether so, you hit a bad shot on the first hole or whether you get have a bad mm -hmm. shot on the last hole you still have to hit your next shot yeah and it's true you, hakuna matata you know Mm, I love that. But with that being said, I know there's an element of paying attention to the details. And another life lesson you mentioned was swinging your swing. Can we dive deeper into those? Yeah. Swinging the swing. Yeah, kind of goes with along with what Shia LaBeouf said in that movie. You know, the music comes from you from somewhere else and your voice is going to be different than anybody else's voice. Your passion might be a little bit different than anybody else's passion. Mm -hmm. Your swing is going to be different than anybody else's swing. You were teaching and me that. It's so cool. <laughs> it is. I mean, your body is, is different and my body is different and everybody's everybody's swing is going to be their own swing with their own tempo and their own pace and their own follow through and their own pose, you know? And if you want to be fancy, you can add a little club twirl in there, but <laughs> it's, you got to swing your own swing and it takes time for you to be able to develop that. Mm. Um, and it, you have to be able to, to take the time to dig it out of the ground to be able to, uh, to do that. And that means asking for help. You know, when you first start out, start out with golf, the first thing you want to do is, is find somebody, a teacher, somebody that knows more than you do so that you don't make bad habits. Mm, so true. So our, our brain, we just start developing this muscle memory. And if you start out with bad habits, those bad habits are going to be a lot tougher to break after, you know, after years of practice. Isn't that um, so interesting? Bad habits just in general are so easy to do and have, but yeah. good habits are so hard to have. I wonder, sometimes I wonder why. I'm like, is our natural man just so bad that <laughs> we, we're good at these bad habits versus anything good in life takes work, right? So good things take work. And I don't know, sometimes I feel lazy and I just am like, there's no point. <laughs> like I'm not going to get better and I'm struggling or I'm frustrated and my golf swing's been the same for five years and I have to re relearn everything or even my tennis, tennis swing or I don't know, just different things in my life. And then even more personal things like mistakes or things I'm working on. Like sometimes, right. sometimes looking back, you're like, oh, have I changed at all? And it's so easy to fall into bad habits, but those good habits once developed really makes such an impact in your life it is i mean and one thing that my dad always used to say is you can't know until you've been showed Ooh, you can't you, know until you've been showed yeah you can't know until you've been showed and he used to say it in his old you know 
he he doesn't have an accent, but he's great at impersonations. One thing on the PGA <laughs> Tour is you've got people from all over the country, and so you got you know Greg Norman from you know Australia, and then you got you know uh, Gary Player from South Africa, and you've got uh, you know one of his good friends was um, Savi Ballesteros from you know Spain, and so he was great at impersonating these different golfers, but <laughs> that. That quote came from Jim Thorpe, who was an African American, an African American uh, guy on the PGA Tour oh, cool. <laughs> from from, uh, from I think Texas, and he says, "You, you can't know until you've been showed." <laughs> <laughs> and I so, love it. Um, and that goes along with with swinging your swing. You know, you you can't know how to swing the golf club until you until you've been showed. And you, you, you got to ask for help and you you can't, it goes with anything in life. If you want to get better at anything, you got to find somebody smarter or better than you are. Mm -hmm. It's not just going to magically happen. I've been playing tennis with kids who played all throughout high school. I'm the only one who didn't play in high school. (laughs) How's that going? And I've gotten better. It's amazing. And they've seen me get better too. I think people noticing you getting better or noticing you have a good hit. Like when you and I went golfing and I'd hit a shot and I'd be like, eh, it was fine. You're like, no, that was really Mm -hmm. good. And this and this, I was like, oh, wow, that that was good. And then you want to like do it again. And then just knowing that people have been saying like, oh yeah, you have gotten better playing tennis every week. Like Mm -hmm. I know that that consistency is getting me somewhere, even though I hit it bad sometimes or I, I can't play very well. I still can't win a set. Like, you know, right. tennis is a whole nother game. We're going to do an episode on tennis. So I'm going to go find some tennis oh. friends because I love, love tennis, it. but I do love golf. I just am learning more about golf and well, once how a to week. Enjoy it more. <laughs> I know my once, once a, a week. week, if you can get out there once a week, you'll make, you know, big strides, bounds, yeah, that's the leaps goal. and bounds. And I love that as we learn about these passions in my podcast, like with different sports and different passions, like then when I go out and do those things, because I feel like I'm passionate about all these things, maybe football a little less, but you know, <laughs> I'm preparing for the turkey bowl. But what, you're not going to put some pads <laughs> on and go out there and try to tackle some dudes? Uh, probably not. But I don't know. With golf, it's fun to learn that these these lessons that golf has taught you. And then when I go out and golf, I can think about these, like the smiley face. I'm going to be looking for the smiley faces and paying attention to the details and figuring out what bad habits I have and how I change those, whether it's like adjusting my grip or hanging my hands lower or, you know, stopping or fluid. I don't know. There's so many little terms with golf, but it's so fun to think about all these things. Um, Before we jump into your next passion about psychology, do you have any last thoughts about golf? Um. I, I would say if you haven't tried it, get out and try it. Mm-hmm. Find a, find somebody that, you know, is a little bit better than you are. Or if, if, if you're even just mm-hmm. on the range and you see somebody swinging and, and you know that they're hitting the ball a lot further than you are, don't be afraid to ask for help because you, you can't know until you've been showed mm-hmm. and nothing comes easy. And nothing comes easy with, uh, remember that. with golf um you have to m- figure out a way to stay positive and and maintain that optimistic attitude that you know that that childhood attribute that i talked about resiliency 
-hmm. You have to be able to, to stay resilient and say, I didn't hit that one good, but I'll hit the next one good. And even if you don't, then you hit the one after that. (laughs) There's always another shot. I always am like, okay, my next one will be better. And then it goes horrible. And then I just (laughs) have five more horrible shots and then one good one. And that one good one can carry you the next 10 bad shots. (laughs) That's your smiley face. That's your smiley face. (laughs) Or occasionally getting a good putt. There's nothing better than hitting a good putt. Oh, the sound of the ball hitting the bottom of the cup. And there's nothing worse than getting five extra strokes on the green. (laughs) Anyways, I don't Mm. know if you've been there, but I have. Um, Anyways, I love this and I love that I'm loving golf more. And if you are interested in coming, I'm not great. And you can feel like you're a good golfer with me around. So open invite for anyone. <laughs> well, Let's do it. I'm excited to talk about this next topic too, because I know it's important to you. You're studying it and it's a big part of your life. So what's, what's a little background of your passion about psychology? Um, so this is more of a recent passion. Um, I delved into psychology in the year of 2020, such a great year for everybody. I'm sure a little (laughs) bit of craziness at the time, but I was working up at impact golf center, um, teaching and fitting and, um, you know, building golf clubs. And I was, um, I was teaching a lesson out at Fox hollow and I stepped in to give some instruction and my student swung the driver back and he hit me on the top of the head and I got a, I got a pretty gnarly concussion Mm. and uh, a scar to prove it. And it was, it was not so fun. Um, So I went into the doctor and they said, well, you, you don't need, um, stitches i think you're you're good but they didn't warn me anything about concussions so um turns out i had a pretty gnarly concussion and it caused a um a concussion induced psychosis Mm. so the part of the brain where i got hit it um it controls your view of reality your negative thoughts and your isolation so for about a month and a half Um, I was in a place, pretty dark place because of the negative thoughts and I isolated and my view of reality was completely distorted. Um, and it was a very scary place to be. Um, but the only thing that brought me out of it was I studied the brain and I studied, um, I studied, you know, the specific part where I got hit. And it said, you know, that it controls these parts of the brain. And, and um, after that, I started making these different connections. And I just thought to myself, you know what, this is interesting. I could see myself mm-hmm. studying this a little bit more. And so I got into psychology. I went back to school. And, um, and two, you know, a year and a half later, I, I, I graduated in, at the end of December. So a couple of months. That's so interesting. And, that kind of got me started on this, this road, this journey, this newfound passion. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? As people listen to my podcast, I hope that they think about experiences that may have caused them to learn a passion that they didn't know they had. And it it really does take just a few experiences or one experience to teach you like, wow, I'm super interested in this. 
small before we dive back into it sorry i did an internship for like international center for religious freedom no idea that i had a passion about that until i was just in it and i was like oh my gosh this is so interesting and i almost wanted to be a lawyer but that's a whole nother story but let's dive back into you still could be still I could mean... be you're right <laughs> that, we'll talk about that another time sorry i i don't want to get sidetracked because this is so important um so with psychology in the form I had you fill out, you talked about there's rational and irrational self-talk and benefits. And I was, mm -hmm. and you mentioned a story about your dad winning on the PGA tour and sports psychology. How do those yeah. relate? Um, rational and irrational self-talk. Um, this one's super interesting. Um, you know, there's, there's probably going to be a, a good amount of people that have played golf on here that know the verbal abuse that goes on in your head after mm -hmm. you hit a golf shot, you know, you hit the golf shot and, and, you know, like, Oh, you idiot. How, why did you hit it there? You know, <laughs> why, why in the world would you, that was the only place you couldn't hit it. And that's the shot that you hit, you know, or they, they'll hit it and they'll mm -hmm. be like, Oh, I, I knew I was going to do that. I could just feel it, you know? And our brain is so powerful. And my dad, he was, here's a little golf trivia for you. He was the first guy on tour to make a million dollars in without winning a golf tournament. Whoa. So he would place top five, top three, top, top 10. He won, he was in multiple playoffs, but could never pull the trigger. You know, probably the, the biggest point in his career when he almost won the U.S. Open. He almost Whoa. won. He, he took second, but we had a miraculous comeback where Payne Stewart beat him on, on, the, last, on the last hole. He birdied like the last hole to beat him. Oh, my and then gosh. Short, shortly after, Payne Stewart um, had that terrible accident in which he passed away. Which, But nobody talks about the guy who took second, and that was more often than not my dad. What's and, his name? Um, Mike, Mike Reed. Mike Reed. Mike Reed. They used to call him Radar. He uh, he was the first year they started keeping statistics. My dad was the most accurate on hitting um, hitting the you know fairways in regulation or fairways. He would hit, he he hit the most fairways, and uh, he was also very accurate iron player. So they called him Radar. Um, but he didn't win for you know the first. You know, like five, six, seven years of his career. And then finally, he went to a sports psychologist and he talked to him and he said, you know, Mike, have you ever pictured yourself hoisting the trophy at the end of the week? Ooh. Have you ever pictured yourself making the final putt to win and the crowd going crazy and, and you lifting your arms in triumph? Have you ever pictured yourself being calm in that moment? Have you ever pictured yourself and mm. visualized and felt what it feels like? And he says, we're going to do that right now. And then boom, two weeks later, he won his first tournament. Wow. And it, it just really flipped a switch. Wow. Um, so visualizing you know, what you want kind of manifesting. That's a big thing right now. Those affirmations. Yeah. yeah. Huge. So they, it is. They impact you so much. And it works. I, I write mine down on my mirror. 
oh, you know, that. of what I want and, and what I, what I want to accomplish for that week or that day or my big time goal. You, you know? say them out loud. I do. I do. And I did when I played golf tournaments all the time, really? I would go in the bathroom and I would look at myself in the mirror and I would say, you are a great putter. You are going to hit a lot of great shots. You make solid contact. You, you know, I, whatever I, whatever came to my brain, whatever I was struggling with, I would say them out loud in front of the mirror. Oh, I love round. this. I'm getting a little jittery because I know I need to do this for my race on Saturday. And I'm nervous because I don't think I'm going for time because it's a difficult course. But I'm like trying to think about how I can envision myself running my pace and feeling mm. good and, and crossing the finish line. It's so emotional. I love it. And it's but I'm like trying to mentally prepare myself like this because I mean, mm. everyone always says running's a mental game and it is. It's, it's, it's really hard sometimes, but I don't know. I love that these daily things and especially when you're in a golf tournament, just repeating those positive thoughts in your head and it propels you to do better. It's just so cool. It's psychology. There's the facts. Right. <laughs> Rational. And, and I mean, I mean, you talked about self-talk and, and mm -hmm. the rational and irrational. So rational self-talk would be more of like um, what's achievable. So what's a rational self-talk, maybe for you, it's like, I really want to run this race in a certain amount of time, but it's, you know, it's okay if I don't. And if I don't, I'm not going to be any less of a person. It's not going to be any sweat off of my back. I would really like to. And I think I can, I know I can, but if I don't, it doesn't make me any less of a person. It doesn't, it doesn't take anything away from me. Hmm. Whereas where, you know, it kind of, it, it puts in that, um, that positive mindset that you really want to, and you can, but it takes off that pressure that you need to be, you know, cause if you add too much pressure, it tenses up your muscles and, we all know that a relaxed athlete is a good athlete. Ooh, that's also going on so, the football wall. <laughs> it's true. Irrational <laughs> self-talk. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, irrational self-talk is statements like, I need to make this. I have to make this. You know, my parents are watching, my, my, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, mm. they, they're all looking up to me. I need to make this. So much pressure. Um, you know, those type of yeah. statements, if I don't, then I'm a piece of crap, you know, mm. if, if, so those, those type of statements are irrational and they're putting way too much pressure on you for what you need to perform. Yeah. And so, you know, switching your brain and, and learning how to talk to yourself is a big part of, of psychology, sports psychology and, and achieving goals. I love that. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but what's your main take takeaway from everything we discussed? And I know you have, you've shared so many great things. I have many takeaways, but what's one thing kind of in the back of your head that you want to share with everyone? Um, just find the smiley faces throughout the day, little things that make you happy. Um, try to visualize your success and um, just work towards progress and not perfection. Mm. Hi, everyone. So sorry that just kicked us out of Google Meet. 
Um, but I wanted to just hurry and share a few of those takeaways that John shared with us about his passions with golf and psychology. I think the biggest takeaways were find the smiley faces every day, visualize your success, and remember you're, you're practicing to make progress, not perfection. And with that, nothing worthwhile comes easy. So go out there, work hard, find your passions, put in that effort. If you want to come golf with me, let me know. If you want to come be on this podcast, let me know. I am so passionate about passion in general, and I just love this opportunity to talk to you guys every week and to share these passions with you. So remember, spread the light, light the passion. Have a good week, guys. Bye.